Praise God. From whom all blessings flow. For without him, we could do nothing. It's wonderful to know him today in the pardon of our sins. If we didn't have remission of sins, we would be, of all people, most miserable. And if we grieve like the world grieves, as people without hope, then we become worldly. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Men are still making fun of Jesus. There are those who still joke about him and refuse to take him seriously. But know this, the time is coming when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. If you didn't hear that, that means your knees and your tongue, as well as anybody else's. Doesn't make any difference who you are in this world. Doesn't make any difference what you've accomplished. Doesn't make any difference that you're independent. Doesn't make any difference that you're brilliant. Every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That should in itself represent what occupies most of our thought time. Because in everything we do, we need to be aware that we're going to give an account before God. Everybody's not going to get good news. Matthew 25 tells us that some folk are going to show up only to hear the master say, depart from me. I don't know you. I've never known. And then others are going to hear him say, well done. You're good and a faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you a ruler over many. Enter ye into the joys of thy Lord which have been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What a wonderful day it is. And it's always good to know the Lord. Thank God for a brand new day, a brand new set of opportunities, and the opportunity to hear the word again this morning that he has placed on my heart for you. Even on Father's Day, there is a word from the Lord. Especially for those men who are in Christ Jesus. It's good to have those of you who are visiting with us today. And we thank God that you've chosen us. You didn't have to. We got more churches in this city than we need. So you could have gone anywhere. You could have closed your eyes and stumbled into a church building. But you, for whatever the reason, came here. I believe that, that God that we serve sent you here. Yes. There may be one thing in this lesson you need to hear today. Amen. 
But there's a jewel for you. There's a pearl. I want you to stay awake so you can know it and get it and receive it when you hear it. Oh, we're talking to fathers today. I'm so happy to be a father. That's a blessing. To be able to produce offspring. Which will carry your name long after you're gone. Don't know how many generations will exist because of your seed. Oh, that's something to be proud of. I don't take that for granted. Neither should we. And in that vein, I couldn't select a more appropriate passage for our consideration today than Joshua chapter 24, verse number 15. I want to turn back over there and read it again. I want to thank Brother Jones for the fine job he's done and uh, both uh, Brother Prince Jones and Brother Allen for the job they did in leading our songs and I want to thank Brother Nathan for that prayer on behalf of all mankind. If you have your Bibles with you today, turn with me to Joshua chapter 24 and I just want to read verses 13 through 15. 13 through 15. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, God says, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a passage that we are quite familiar with. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That sounds good. Because inherent in the statement is a person in the, in the paternal position, in the leadership position, in the home, speaking for his family. Oh, that's a, what a welcoming thought. I know, I, 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 I'm tempted to suggest that some of you don't know what that feels like. The power, the authority, the leadership, the control that it takes to speak for your family. I hope you experience that somewhere along the line. Because it feels good. 
to be able to answer the phone and speak for your family. It feels good as the man of the house to be able to answer a knock at the door and make a statement for your family. I'm so glad at the end of this passage that the scriptures don't say that after Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It doesn't say he turned to his wife and asked her, is that all right? There are many men out there today who declare that they are the leaders in their home. But who every time they make a decision have to look at the wife and say, is that all right? Do you have my back? Do you support what I'm saying? Those are men without backbones. Men who have not yet learned how to lead a family. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, when we talk about the, the, the qualifications of elders, one of the qualifications of elders is that they be able first to lead their own families. The first indication of how a leader will lead the Lord's church is how he leads his family. If his family is lax, the church will be lax. If his family is out of control, the church will be out of control. Because that's just his style of leadership. Some people's style of leadership is not to lead but to be led. That's their style. To do what they're told. Well, men, we don't have that luxury in Christ Jesus. Because God is over Jesus. Jesus is over the man. He's the head of the man. And the man is the head of the wife and the family. That's why this passage is so important because it's one of the places in the scriptures where it shows us what it means to literally be a leader of your family. That means that you can speak for the family. Especially in the things that are of the utmost importance. And if a man can't speak for his family in terms of their religious preference, in terms of their Christianity, in terms of where we are headed as a family, then sin is camping at your door. When a man's voice is gone from the family, Sin is camping at the door. And I'm not talking about because you have passed on. I'm talking about simply refusing to accept the responsibility to guide and to lead the family. And I want you to understand this morning as a father that we are responsible. If our families go astray to some degree, we will be held responsible. We are the leader of the family. So while you're walking along thinking that everything is in order in your life, what you really have to be concerned about is, have I led my family in a way that's pleasing to God? Have I been the man I needed to be at the house? Well, Joshua was that man. 
And as he prepared the children of Israel to enter the land of Canaan, he made it clear that first priority went to those with whom he had immediate and direct control. That is, he and his household. It's concerned Joshua as concerned as he was about the children of Israel. He knew that he and his family must live by their faith in God and not by what Israel wanted them to do. He was willing to stand by his faith against the greatest of odds to serve God. You'll remember in Numbers chapter 14 that it was Joshua and Caleb who came back at the end of chapter 13 after they had been sent out with 10 other spies to spy out the land. You'll remember that two of those spies, Joshua and Caleb, were the ones who came back with a positive report. Ten came back and said, we can't take this land. Those people are giants down there. We look like grasshoppers under them. And we look like grasshoppers in our own sight. Joshua and Caleb stood up in the midst of those ten and said, no, that's not the right report. We can take this land. God is with us and he will chew them up and spit them out. Let's go down and take it. And the Bible says around verse 10 that the people were so distraught with Joshua and Caleb that they wanted to stone them to death. These were the men who said, let's go and take the land because God is with us and they want to stone them to death. It's not easy being a leader at times. It's not easy being a father. It's not easy taking a stand. There's a growing shortage of men who will take a stand for anything these days. Many just seem to want to be left alone. Just leave me alone. I don't want any challenges. I don't want any responsibilities. I don't want to do anything. I just want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. But you know, as a father, you don't have that kind of luxury. You should have thought about that before you got with mama. And made all these commitments. And started bringing children into the world. That's the time to think about where you had it. Not after you've been loaded down many times. With responsibilities that you didn't even realize were coming your way. It's clear that Joshua took the lead in his household. And it's clear that they followed him too. Just as surely as he said it. Nobody stood up and said, you don't speak for me. I have some fathers this morning, along with myself, who need to hear certain questions. There are certain things that we need to make observations about where this passage is concerned. There are other things that we need to make some suggestions about. And then look at some of the lessons that are learned. And we'll do that in quick order this morning. Fathers... Can you speak for your household? 
I'm talking about today. Not what used to be, not what you hope will be. As you sit here today, if you are a father over a household, can you speak for your household? Do you speak for your household? I know that's a loaded question. I noticed how quiet it became, too. Not one man dropped up and said, yes, I can. Including myself. <laughs> Though I do. That's just not something that we're, for whatever the reason, proud of. Because we live in a day and time where people are pushing independence. That everybody ought to have their own mind. And everybody ought to be able to do their own thing. Even if they're in a relationship. Or even if they're in a family. Even, whatever the case, we are pushing for independence. And our families are suffering as a result of it. Because that independence is finding its way into our home. And when that happens, it takes God's scheme out of place. And it turns it into something else. I'm not asking you if you like the responsibilities of fatherhood. You have them whether you like them or not. The thing is, can you speak for your household? Do you speak for your household? And that's loaded because we understand that you cannot speak for something if you're not in charge. Mm. And you can't speak for a household unless those in the household give you the right to speak for them by submitting their will to yours. makes the decisions at your house? How are decisions made at your house? If your children throw a temper tantrum to get what they want and you give in, who made the decision? If your wife threatens to cut you off, if you don't do what she says and you give in, who made the decision? Forget about I'm just trying to keep the peace. We're talking about a God-given right and responsibility to be able to carry yourself in such a way that you always can speak for the family. Oh, we know we're not talking about extended family. We're talking about those who live at your house. And according to the scriptures... The man as the leader sets the tone there. He determines what's going to go on in this house and what's not. He determines what the rules are and what the rules are not. And everybody there ought to understand that when they can no longer abide by the rules that the leader has set, that's an indication that it's time for you to get your own spot. So you can do things the way you want to do things. But in our age, we allow children to live with us who tell us to our face what they will not do. Who tell us by their disobedience what they will not do. And still sleeping in the house. Mm. Still pulling up at the table when it's theme time. And have the audacity 
to not be obligated to the rules. And they said, well, you know, I'm just staying here. I'm grown, really. And that's the time to remind them that grown folk need their own place. Mm -hmm. Part of what comes with being at home at that age is having to obey somebody else's rules and regulations. Now, if you live with mom and dad and your friend want to come over and see you at 12, what does daddy say? If daddy says we don't receive company at 12 o'clock at night, even to those who are grown, who live in the house, the father sets the rules and he says there's no 12 o'clock dating up in him. Well, doesn't he have the right to set that rule? And they are the ones, the very ones, that say, well, you know, you're trying to take somebody's independence away. I'm, I'm grown. Quick to tell you how grown they are, but they don't have their own. Seems like grown folk ought to have their own. Especially if you're going to demand that you be able to do what you want to do. I ain't mad. Just telling the truth. Here's another observation. Fathers who are respected as such by their families will tell us it wasn't an easy task. And families who respect those fathers will tell us they learned to respect dad's leadership many times in hindsight. In other words, they weren't able to appreciate what they were being taught at the time they were being taught it. It's often after we make the mistakes that the lesson of fathers become clear. Some things must be done for the good of the family, even when the family can't see it or understand it. But we all understand that some of the things that happen to us in life, we don't understand until after they happen. We close the gate after the horse is gone. But we have learned some things along the way. Amen. And I want to give you the benefit of those as we move on. Jockeying for leadership between husband and wife is dysfunctional and destructive. Amen. Nobody respects a man who won't take a stand for something. Nobody respects a man who won't work. Nobody, I didn't say couldn't work, won't work. Nobody respects a man who won't take care of his children. That's not something we ever want to be guilty of. You know, the parents of children like Dylan Roth, the young man who murdered nine people last Wednesday night, Parents of children like that probably couldn't imagine that they would become famous because of a massacre perpetrated by their child. His mother is quoted as saying, every fiber in my body hurts. She said, I'm in disbelief over what my child has done. But you lived with him. And now as we look at the after the fact stuff, all of the stuff that 
was written, all of the stuff that was said, all of the patches that he wore, all of the racist attitudes he embraced, they lived with that, saw that, maybe even encouraged it through their lack of teaching. Because they never thought in their wildest dreams it could end in him massacring nine innocent folk. Folk, that kind of lesson is hard to learn after the fact. We ought to be doing something up front to prevent that. If you, if you have a child in your home, why do you feel guilty about being able to go in their room and do what you want to do? Maybe we ought to stop telling them they got a room. Maybe we ought to say, this is my room that I'm letting you stay in. Because when you start saying to them, this is your room, a lot of them take that seriously. Don't come in my room when I'm not here. Oh, you sound like you paying rent. To me, don't come in. Don't violate my privacy. You want privacy? Get you a spot. You can have all the privacy you want. Well, I'm not old enough to get me a spot. Well, you will abide then. Until you get old enough by the rules of the house. Every door can stay open. At my house. I don't have any children. <laughs> but I wonder if it's that way at your house. Has the children changed the lock on the door so you can't come in? And you walk around asking them for a key? come home it would be knocked off the hinges and they have to replace it brother Nathan cause I had to knock it off the hinges mm -hmm. somewhere somebody has to take a stand for something and we just kind of let this thing go hoping that the best will come well here are some suggestions for you if that's where you are and I hope you understand by me telling you what not to do, that really I'm encouraging you to do the opposite. We can raise a destructive child quietly and without much effort right in our homes. So <clears throat> I'm going to give you the steps to raising a thug. How to raise a thug at your house. Number one, don't show them love and discipline early in life. Don't show them any love or any discipline. And don't do that while they are in their two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Don't do it then. That's the crucial period. If you want to raise a thug, don't show them love and discipline early in life. Number two, don't correct them when they're wrong. Keep thinking that your children's behavior is cute and that they're funny when they do things that are inappropriate. Keep on correcting, keep on refusing to correct them when they're wrong. Thirdly, Encourage bad behavior by them by not addressing it. When you don't address bad behavior, 
The theory is silence is consent. If you hear me saying this or if you see me doing this and you don't stand up against it, then the thought is that you condone it. You feel it's all right. Are your children speaking things in your presence about other people that you know is wrong for them to feel? Do your children come in and say, I hate white folk? I can't stand white folk. And you sit there and look at them and say, mm-hmm, I understand. Oh, you're getting ready to raise a thug. Because in your silence, you are condoning how they feel. And you don't know where that's going to end up. That kind of attitude and a joint of marijuana may make them shoot somebody. Think about it. It hit you on the way home. Don't let them have their way or let them have their way so you don't have to argue with them. You're on your way to raising a thug. Just whatever they want to do, just let them do it. Because at that, if you do that, then you want to be bothered with them, right? That's the way some people deal with not having to be bothered with it. They say, hey, you want to go, do it. Just leave me alone. For some people it takes too much effort to say no and to explain why they're saying no so there are many who are silently raising thugs because they let them have their way so they don't have to argue with them you want to raise a thug let them know early in life that they're not worth your time don't spend any time with them Sit them in front of a video game or sit them in front of TV and let that babysit them while you golfing or bowling or fishing or whatever it is you like doing. But if you show them early in life that they are worth very little to you, you well on your way to raising the wrong kind of person. Oh, I know it never comes out of your mouth, but this is about what you tolerate at your house and what you don't. That's steering a child too. Don't say no to them. Don't you dare say no. Give them everything they want whether you can afford it or not. Don't pay the bills if you you have to. But whatever they want, make sure they get it. And you're on your way to raising a thug. Because once they get out there without a job and try to steal somebody's stuff, somebody going to hurt them or they going to hurt somebody. Because you haven't taught them to be responsible citizens who get up every day and go to work for what they want. Oh, I know it sounds good. I hear people say all the time, I don't want my children to grow up like I did. My folk didn't give me all that stuff and I just want them to have everything. To what end? Why? Why you want them to have everything? The more stuff you give them, the less time you have for them. See how that works? And isn't it ironic that most of the stuff we're buying them today are electronic in nature? So they don't need you. It's interactive. They, they, it's interactive. They, they sit and play it all day long. And never ask, where's daddy? Where's mama? One time, sometimes they don't even know whether they're in the house. Because everybody's in their own little world. Mm. 
Let them do their thing and be who they want to be. Don't place any restraints on them. Just tell them the world is theirs and they can do their thing. Do what you want to do. And that'll be the person who will be breaking into somebody's car. And finally, the lesson. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 5, or Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 rather, the Bible says that the Lord decided to destroy the then known world because he was frustrated with man because the thoughts of his heart were evil continually. That's all he thought about. Evil. Continually. So he decided to choose the eight who had found grace in his sight and destroyed everything else. Because they wanted to do evil. We don't disappoint the Lord often because of what we do. But it's the attitude with which we do. Amen. God is not displeased with our failure to do right. As much as he is with the fact that we don't want to do right. It doesn't disappoint God so much because we don't come to Wednesday night Bible study. Mm -hmm. What is of concern to him is that we don't want to come. Which is to say, I don't want to know more about you. I don't want to learn anything else about I know all I need to know about Jesus. I don't want to learn no more. I don't want to learn no more about you, God. So it's not about the time I have or don't have. I just don't want to do it. Oh, Lord. Help us to not just be satisfied doing stuff, but to do it from a heart that wants to do it. That's what turns God on. You want to do it. Joshua wanted to lead his family. And to that end, he says, I tell you what. Regardless of what you think of me, I will lead my family rather than be led by them. I accept the God-given responsibility to be the leader in my family. I will not shirk this responsibility because there are other options available to me. Every person has the right to make a decision about whom they will serve. He said, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He didn't just say, as for me, I will serve the Lord. He spoke for himself and those who were under his leadership. I wonder if he had to go through anything when he got back to the house. I wonder if his wife and children said, you don't speak for me. We have here a father speaking for his family. When the father ceases to be the voice of the family, as I said earlier, sin is camping at your door. 
Notice that when Cornelius was baptized, his household was baptized with him. When the Philippian jailer was baptized, his household, the Bible says, was baptized with him. That's because the father could direct the affairs of the family and speak for the family. He certainly didn't say, you know, and this is the 21st century version. I, his statement could have been, me and the children are going to follow the Lord. I don't know about my wife. Or it could have been, my wife and I are going to follow the Lord. I can't speak for the children. Thank God that wasn't Joshua's family. Thank God he could speak for them. And then let me tell you this about the disobedient child because see that what all of that produces is a person who is disobedient to the will of God and according to Deuteronomy chapter 21 verses 18 through 21 a child who was disobedient to his parents had outlived his usefulness because what they did to that child was stone him to death think about it what good is a disobedient child. Everything you tell them, they say, nope, not doing it. Everything you instruct them to do, they do the opposite. Well, what purpose is that child serving? Seemingly, you exist to make other people's lives miserable. So under the law of Moses, they gave you what you needed. You have outlived. If nobody can teach you anything or direct you or lead you or guide you, you have outlived your usefulness. And the men would take you out and stone you to death. That's a powerful statement to us today about disobedience. Disobedience is a learned behavior, folks. It's not innate. Disobedience is a learned behavior. So we'll talk about that more tonight. But we encourage disobedience when we don't hold our children to being obedient. Just want to say that to you. That's the lesson for you today. In the light of Joshua chapter 24 verse 15. The harder it hit, the more it was needed. That's the word of God for the people of God. If you're here today and you're subject to it, believe what's been said and act on it by being repentant. That will help your family. And then your family can better help the church. Confess Christ as Lord. If you're not a member of the body, don't let anybody fool you. You need to be baptized. Amen. To be added to the body of Christ. I didn't say sprinkling. I didn't say poured. I said the biblical word, which is baptism, which is from the Greek word baptizo, which means to submerge. So anything that you baptize, you submerge it in whatever you baptizing it in. In the church, it's the water. It's in the water that we come in contact with the remitting blood of Jesus. And we are added to the body of Christ by God himself, not by you. Acts chapter 2 verse 47 says, The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So you can't join us. The Lord adds you to us. 
That's the way we think. That's not the way we think of it. Is. That doesn't meet with our intellect, but that's the way God does things. And he teaches us all the while that my ways are not your ways. While you thinking so hard, remember this. I don't think like you think, God says. I don't do things the way you do things. So your best thinking probably isn't even on God's list. Didn't even make the list. So we have to take his word and let it go at that. That's the message today. Stand. We'll sing the invitation song and give you the opportunity to respond.